somebody knocking at my door in a half an hour ago, and I thought that was really the Dharma sister who wanted an interview. Who was that? Who was at my door about half an hour ago? I was in the bathroom. So I, I, I forgot the name. That you were going to have an interview with? Well, she wanted to speak yes. with me. And she But she's not needing you you know you'd you give her no job now. No, at the time she was supposed to leave. Uh huh. Well tomorrow. No, she might come. You know this is the third time I bring my great discourse on insight, meditation called some introductory notes. I'm not through yet. That's the third time I bring it. As a, as a currents were there, which deflected. But we heard a lot. We had a nice introduction this afternoon outside for being attentive and in our practice um, outside. That's a great skill. That's what is our ultimate goal, to make it uh, not a practice, but make it a form of life now. So wherever you are, you are... uh, able to relate to yourself, to receive the messages. You use the body sensations that comes from the body uh, uh, and comes also from uh, those um, energies that accompany or come and flood into us as breath the breath. So um, that's a nice thing to, to realize. It's not a practice. It is, we are stepping into a, a different form of life. We can see in which we find ourselves being aware of what we are doing, focusing mind to uh, the physical level as well as the mental level. That's all what it is, what we have, a physical level and a mental. Only two things and we cannot manage. (laughs) We have to go vipassana meditation. We go to other teachers too, other places. It's interesting, you see. Allow yourself a little bit to release. It doesn't mean you are thinking. To really see how we are, uh, why we do this, uh, practice, and what it means being and entering the practice. Actually, as I said, we don't have a practice. It is not something you are uh, taking in and you can... uh, 
and you 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 can um, finish the job. There is no finishing job. It is a continuation of life unfolding in your attention, in your loving attention, and learning not to react to that what arises is if it is uncomfortable whether <laughs> or it is unpleasant well, we find ourselves we, we, we don't want it we want to be somewhere else so we're learning certain um, settling into our into our life lives into our unfolding and there is a body and there is a mind body sensations the expression of uh, of body of this aliveness and then there is a mind that um, reacts to it, that has the experience on the emotional level, mental level. Mm -hmm. It's nice to see it a little bit wider. It's not a practice. Uh, It is I'm entering a very special form of unfolding of my life. I bring awareness in it and begin to understand why this is happening and why this cannot happen. And I learn to not to be so reactive and so impatient and to want it other than it is. bringing our living process into order, into a loving, attentive atmosphere. Hmm? We learn there to govern ourselves. There's a law of karma in it too. We act and we live and uh, uh, look at it Learn ah, this. Do, when I do this, I have this as a result. If I'm unfriendly and and always resisting and resenting, I have a, a karmic effect. Karma, karma means action. Karmic effect, and then I find out I don't like it. No one likes me. And so finally we, we, we begin to understand. And that is on the gui- our guideline then. We take a different direction in our unfolding. Mm-hmm. And we have wonderful pra- practices for that. Many different types of units, teaching units. You're not enough loving, and you find yourself you're 
very miserable because you would to dislike everything. Then no, no, no friend. You have, as a result, less friends, and you may notice it. And so then now it shifts. You learn from that. And we, for that we need a quiet mind and we need a, uh, energy and we need a, a diligence and a certain um, uh, guidelines. This is a kind of a self... self uh, unfolding process. You are the master. You are also the teacher, actually. You are in the center. So when you really understand it deeply, you, you don't rely on anything else anymore. Aha! I, should, I know what I have to do. I have to be quiet now. Not to reach out not to resent, just keep it cool. Mm -hmm. And that the mind has uh, the grace and the space uh, to, to understand. Because uh, we are in the observing, witnessing, disposition all the time. Throw away wanting it other than it is. See mm -hmm. what is the real experience mm -hmm. of all my experiences. Hearing, tasting, um, What else? Seeing. Yeah, smelling. Mm -hmm. And then the emotional level also. The mind is quiet. It is not reacting, doesn't. It leaves it in quiet, in harmony. It's wonderful. Who has already had such little touches and understandings and was smiling and happy of this. That is awakening. You know, awakening is equal to um, enlightenment. There's nothing else except leaving behind ignorance. Nothing is ignored anymore and beginning to see in the light of your awareness. And everything burns out in it, what is um, um, disturbance. And you understand also. Teachings are wonderful, clear. Here are five hindrances, five faculties which are very dangerous if we don't allow them to be noticed, and they are dangerous if I let them roam without control. 
So you, you make effort somehow. And the effort is not so big either. You just need to take your beautiful eyes, your beautiful quiet mind, and know that you are observing that what has arisen on all sense doors. Hmm? Well, I didn't want to say anything about that, but somehow it fitted into my frame of mind because I found my father, my 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 um, folder. Remember, this is the third or fourth time I bring it down. <laughs> remember? Didn't we do that? Who remembers? No? Did I, didn't I already try two or two types? It wasn't so easy, but I really worked on it and enjoyed it. It took me a long time. Besides, I paid $10 an hour for typing it. Yeah, I, can, I cannot go on my laptop at that time. Uh, I, my hands couldn't, uh, fingers didn't move. Um, still, this is, is a little bit uh, uncomfortable, but they were swollen. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I paid $10 an hour. But I enjoyed it hmm? because um, you see, sometimes the energies fall always. So, if you are alert, if your heart heart is open, if you are uh, uh, ready to share what you have, and somebody has not, and uh, that gives joy, and you help somebody. So then I learned that she didn't have any, um, the lady who wanted $10 an hour. Then she tells me she, she, she has no printer. <laughs> but she didn't tell me, but I called her, why isn't it finished? Yeah, she said, yeah, I have no printer. I have to wait till my friend will print it. Hmm? <laughs> So, well, what did I do? At Walmart, that big outfit has everything. Half size China is in, stored there. So I, I bought her a printer, $35. So that is invested in here. <laughs> I want to share it now. <laughs> But it was joy for her to now, um, you know, the, it is the, the color which she needed. It, I think she has a machine, but it is the printer. Ink. Cartridge. Cartridge, yeah. Mm-hmm. $35 was my present for the family. She has six children. What can you do? Hmm? Happiness is here and now. Continue. We did it this afternoon. 
I am not in hurry. Nowhere to go, nothing to do. What else? Pardon? No longer in a hurry. No longer in a hurry. No longer in a hurry. Aha, yeah. No longer in a hurry. It's a nice thing. Such little proverbs or uh, which are really reminders. <laughs> And um, it can be wonderful support uh, stations uh, in your practice. See? Happiness in the midst of your misery. Happiness is here and now. And it's so, so contrasting, you know. It's a joke. In the middle of your misery, to say happiness is here and now. Find it that moment. Huh? That means you don't you don't curse and oh, it doesn't work and so on. Huh? So you see what if, what it is, and if you have the possibilities to help it along, then because you were quiet and uh, in alignment with your Dharma forces then it's true. Happiness is here and now. I am not... I must learn then more. I am not in the hurry. I don't know it. Yeah, you, you should learn it. <laughs> okay. We, somebody knew it. Stand up and tell us. Please. Happiness is here and now. I am. I oh yeah, see, I have dropped my worry. That makes sense. Nowhere to go. Nothing to do. No longer in the hurry. <laughs> That's happiness returned. This is. It's beautiful because of also the contrasting aspects in it. So, what is the time now? Probably long. 8.04. Till 9 it goes, doesn't, doesn't it? It's up to you. No, it isn't. We have a program. Mm-hmm. So, all right. With that attitude, you can be surprised. Happiness is here and now. Yes. So I go to my my project here. It was very costly, but I was, uh, yeah, to have six children and no car <coughs> and. Uh, on footsteps uh, in some situations uh,
So I will skip that now, yeah? Do we have tomorrow? We have one day more or two? No, one. Tomorrow? One and a half, yeah. Um, well, let me see. Only 13 pages. <coughs> Look, Jane, how nice she did that. Look at, Jane, look at that. That's going to be one o'clock in the morning. This? Why did you say that? But look how many lines are in one page. See how you react? You already have forgotten your practice. (laughs) So why do I do that? See? (laughs) All right. So actually, basically, I had in mind uh, uh, not to give you this course, but you make the discourse. I have it even written out for you. Comes from, uh, I was in a monastery. For it in Abayagiri, north of California. And there was a, a, a monk, and he, he um, sat with us, and we discussed a little bit the dualities of life, hmm? the contrasting forces. And it is really sometimes it is really feeling what um, what, uh, Dante has seen about life. It's a divine, what is it, a comedy. Comedy. Yeah, you know what a comedy is? You see the truth in something, it makes you laugh. Yeah, yeah, it's truth, what you would not say otherwise, actually. It is to too maybe too serious or too funny. And then you bring that into a kind of appropriate gathering or so, or communication. So, um, did, did you have a meditation? Yes. After the walking? Before, before the walking. Before walking? Uh-huh. And I came after you had walking and sat down, yeah? Uh-huh. Where did you walk? Did you go outside? Yeah? We all went different places. Oh, yeah? Where were they hiding out places? I saw people outside. I saw people downstairs. Yeah? And I walked in here. Yeah, I saw. It took place, huh? And I was frantically looking for my project. Um, So um, then we were... So you walked half an hour, yeah? Full half hour. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. What can you tell me about your walking in terms of uh, walking in awareness? 
seeing it as a, a, a um, uh, kind of not as a task or as a commitment, as a practice. Yes. I was very sleepy, and so I took a uh, brisk walk. Aha. Uh-huh. I did the driveway, you know, just to uh-huh. the entrance and back. And uh, what I noticed was uh, the sluggishness, number one, to begin with, and how that really just cleared out. Wonderful. That's very clearly said, cleared out. Huh? And uh, you took responsibility for yourself. You are the true student and you are also the master or the teacher. And at one level, easy, especially with the Buddha's teaching, you, you, it is so, so beautiful. The teaching doesn't it really need a teacher. If you understand the guidelines or the, the topic, what is to be seen and observed and what is to be known and changed or what is to be allowed to be as it is. So... Um, Then I have here this the discourse which I wanted you to do. And that is carrying the title The Nature, the fru- <coughs> the true nature of the body. We're talking a lot about it, I thought, and also about uh, the discomfort of it. And um, now, here is a description of the true nature of the body. When one comes to that level of understanding an issue, it clears up. Hmm? So then I like um, two or three people here coming and reading. I don't... hmm. I don't um, to read it. Yeah, it reads. Yeah, 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 like a discourse, huh? You know, we're participating all in it. hmm? I don't know. We can do it by letting it go from from place to place. That would be the easiest way. What, eh? Ah, so, ah, so, then you have to come into my lab. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy to be one of your readers. I'm a good reader. They could stay in my seat. It's all right. Well, what are you talking about? Let me, ha- I, I will, will find one. I will, so, um, if she if she would sit here, is that all right, or on this? Ruth. Yeah. If I go down to my seat there, somebody can sit in my seat. No, no, you are. Someone needs to sit near Ruth. That's right. To read into the mic she's wearing, so that she can comment, because I believe you're going to continue teaching in the midst of the reading. Would that be correct? 
Let's all sit down, yeah? You stay where you are, Jane, will you please? You I'd, like, I'd like to rest myself in my backrest for a Ah, so good. So then here somebody comes to... Are you right? Can you read well? Okay, then you come. Why that? They can read right here and do ah, the so. Or the microphone. I'm so sorry. I was given this job as a yogi, and I'm going to do my damnedest to do it. Yeah, yeah. I am. I'm, I'm need obeying. To sit here, please, because this is good. she needs to read and be heard in your mic. Uh-huh. Because Ruth, I believe you are going to teach us still. I believe Ruth will say pause, and then you will share some comments well, about then, what she reads. Would that no. be correct? As a well, maybe so. Maybe so. Nice, huh? So if you share the mic, and if you could speak loud, I'll let you know. Bring mindfulness to it. See the, the least uh, disturbance bring in. Only what is necessary. That is a very, very, very difficult thing. <clears throat> um, so now, this is uh, uh, right, yeah? I can hear you. I would like to hear yeah. the beginning of the reader. Yeah. You know, I could read it, I could I can talk about it, I don't need to have this. But I like that there is a certain humor in it, yeah? Um, to see the nature of our, of our bo- body. And so we are told here how the body, um, how... Uh, how it is perceived, its body, its nature. What is its nature? Interesting, isn't it? Are you curious? (laughs) Very easy to understand. You hardly didn't need to read it. You already know that. But because of our... Um, uh, ignoring us here too so much. So uh, now here is an opening up to what is nature? Hmm? <laughs> here. Yeah. And then maybe after a little while, let's say you read half of it, huh? And then we find someone else. Where's Jay? She'll she be did. Back. She'll be back. Oh, so she. I'll just hold it. Yeah, hold it. Okay. <clears throat> the true nature of the body. A Dhamma talk given by Luang. Wait, wait. Understand what you are reading. Know that you understand that, and that we are here, he, here to hear. You, f- you started too fast. You see, when you know that you are speaking and understanding what you are offering, you cannot read so fast. At least I cannot. Maybe some big uh, 
uh, I don't know how to call those high-powered um, yeah, modern communicators. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Okay. I don't need. Okay. <coughs> the true that you express and you understand. <laughs> yeah. The true nature of the body. Yeah. <coughs> A Dhamma talk given by Luang. <laughs> Poor Plin <clears throat> at Abahagiriri, translation by Ajahn Pasano. We all have to understand the nature of the body, and it should play a central feature in our investigation and contemplation of the teachings. The Buddha taught the well, you read it. I can't read that word. It's a name, a title. So you go syllable after syllable. Okay. Anatala Kana. Anatala. Read the whole thing. Read the last syllable, the last part. <laughs> okay. Yes. Sutta. The Discourse on Not-Self. <coughs> I apologize for allergies. <coughs> I know, I don't. I think someone else. <laughs> yes, it is hot for you, isn't it, darling? Yeah, I have allergies. Yeah. Allergy. Oh. Is that not a cold? No. Aha. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Who has a clear throat? I am a performing artist. This is what I do. Would yeah. you like me to read All some? right. That's the right one. And you can keep the, keep the mic on. You sit here. Cloud and we won't get all the, the passing mo- no, noises. Okay? I would like to ask someone to please put the headset on just for a second and see if you can hear me. Would you? What did you say? The headset is the way I test to see if someone... I know this is going to be fun. The, head te- head, uh, the headset tells if the mic is picking someone up, okay? Isn't it wonderful? All of us are here. By 12 o'clock, we will probably we'll... arrive. I, I, I do that, that we with... don't get through page one. And it is also because... <laughs> see? Yeah. You A Dharma to... talk. I'm going to look at the microphone, ah, so. and that way my voice will carry... No, 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 I don't want to wear it. I want to put it back on you. Because it's so, it looks so good with your outfit. Everybody fess up. The black against the... You didn't mm, mm, notice my out. earrings. No, your earrings are gorgeous, too. <laughs> the earrings match. The color, if you're too far, and there's a little of it in the hat also. Yeah, we're we're sharing that with all our listeners. Ruth is gorgeous tonight. (laughs) (laughs) She is demonstrating for us the true nature of the body. They were still laughing. Okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> bring it to silence. Yeah, enjoy. We are playing ourselves, that's what we do. One little thing is to be done, and there are 59 uh, suggestions. <laughs> and then you need an hour and a half to, to figure out, to let those 59 suggestions go through the security. Yeah? And that is just because we cannot be still and be observant and be really the observant and acknowledging your allowing certain trusting too. What can happen here? You know, nothing really dangerous. There's nobody which we needed to pull, push away or so. But have you seen that? Isn't that wonderful? Uh, um, Denise? Yes. It's all learning. I have funny ways to teach you. Oh, I know. You do? (laughs) Wonderful. Who else knows? We all know. This is a special retreat for us. (laughs) Well, that is a new issue. Yeah, special. But I didn't refer to the special retreat. I said... I, what did I say? You have special ways of teaching. I have, yes, you see, and that is not only in the special retreat. <laughs> see? <laughs> she, that is also another thing. <laughs> to understand my response, <laughs> how it is fitting and joining and adjusting itself. You ready? (laughs) This discourse was given to the five ascetics that had attended on the Buddha. On listening to this particular discourse, they were liberated. All of us here are similar to the five aesthetics. Right. In that we all want to be free, to not have to experience the difficulties that are attendant on having a body and a mind and with being in the world. You realize you have a body? We're talking about yours. Please. The body is a helpful foundation for investigation because it is something that is with us. We live in it. No kidding. (laughs) We inhabit these bodies, and when we do understand their nature, then they give us insight into the nature of the world around us. Good. Pause, yeah? So after we have a little time to let it float through our being. Jane? She was complimenting me on slowing down. Mm -hmm. Thank you. We are like a person who has a house, and it's a bit old, (laughs) a bit dilapidated, (laughs) needs repair, 
and we need to worry about it and attend to it. Similarly, we all have bodies that we have to look after and care for. We have to worry if they get sick, cold, tired, and there's a burden there. You all hear that? Interesting? Just wait. (laughs) The nature of having existence, of being born in the world for everybody, is that we are born with bodies and minds. This is what constitutes birth. (laughs) What constitutes having a life. It's something that everybody in the world has, and it's having a body and not understanding it that leads to suffering and confusion. Stop. Yeah, feel it. Hmm? Wisdom is this. When you touch truthfully something. However, we have to rely on these bodies. We cannot do without them. We cannot not have them. So it's incumbent on us to try to understand them so they don't create problems for us. One of the aspects of having a body and mind, but particularly a body, is that there's a strong focus on the body because it's tangible. The body being physical and tangible It's easier to reflect on and investigate. But it's a source of our sense of self, the creation of self, the creation of attachment around an image of who we think we are. Then we compare ourselves to others, look at other people's bodies, and take them to be selves, Take them to be entities that we compare ourselves to and compare them according to the whole realm of I. It's actually quite burdensome and confusing. So today I'd like to give some reflections around these aspects of the teaching according to my own ability and my own understanding. It's necessary for all of us to study carefully the nature of the body and to be able to reflect on that nature. It goes across the board in terms of whether we're male or female, whether we're young or old, whether we're monastic or lay people. Change is the key element that helps us to see that nature, that tendency to suffer. Notice this truth of change. Change starts immediately. Even when we're conceived, then change is happening. And there is this element of suffering. When we're conceived and we're in the mother's womb, then we're changing and growing all the time. Mm. There's an element of confinement there, being within the mother's womb. We're confined and sort of curled up. And if anybody's ever seen in the forest of Thailand, in the jungles, during the monsoon when the rains come, 
The monkeys are in the trees trying to protect themselves from rain, and they're all curled up like a baby in the womb. It doesn't look very comfortable. Then, of course, we are born. And the first thing people do when they're born is cry. That's really what every baby is doing. That's its exclamation of truth. Wow, this is suffering. This is just the nature of life. Even little babies understand this. Wow, this is suffering. Observe little babies when they're small. They see their older siblings or adults, and they notice them walking and getting up. They're still quite small and not able to do that, and they look and try to mimic that. And there's this frustration of wanting to move and walk, and they can't do it. The body's not working. And then they get frustrated and cry. Or they are hungry and they want their mother's milk and they cry. And they're not crying out of happiness and delight. They're crying out of suffering. Reality is impinging on them. This pattern continues to manifest through life. There's all the different illnesses that the body is prey to. We can have illnesses basically anywhere in the body. There's the capability of illness to manifest everywhere. We get eye diseases, ear diseases, nose diseases, tongue diseases. All those different senses are a venue for our gaining knowledge and experiencing the world, but they can fall apart on us. There are diseases for all the different organs of the body, Heart diseases, heart attacks, enlarged hearts, kidneys, kidney failure, gallstones, every organ that we depend on for our life and our existence is subject to different kinds of diseases. Cancer can manifest just about anywhere in the body. To be able to reflect, recollect that this is really the case that anywhere in the body there can be disease. It isn't as if there's some country somewhere where there is no disease. (laughs) Wherever there are human beings, there's illness. And it isn't as if it's limited to some special class of people who get ill. Even doctors get ill. So when one really investigates this, one can't help but ask oneself, isn't this suffering? And one thinks, wow, yes, this is suffering. One recognizes that right from birth to growing up to aging to final death, then there are difficulties and disease that we experience within the body. And the tendency of human beings is to try to rectify the situation by seeking medical knowledge or some way to alleviate the condition. And for as much medical knowledge as we have, there's still illness. One of things to do, one of the things to do is just to take the progression of change in life as a theme in the sense that when somebody is born, they're a tiny little being and they grow 
and start to be able to move around and talk and do things. They become adolescents, then adults, and continue to change, continue to mature. It manifests in different ways, this change, all the way to old age and finally to death. Normally, for most people, there's not a lot of reflection on these natural changes in life. This is where the Buddha taught that what obscures or obstructs seeing the truth of change is something called santati, which means continuity. There's a continuity, there's a continuity of change, and it's progressive. It's not abrupt. This continuity obscures and covers over the reality of impermanence. This makes it necessary to use reflection and investigation because the tendency is not to see it. There's just this continuity. Everything's sort of flowing along okay, but in reality, change is taking place. Mm. If you look all of a sudden, maybe you've got to go to the dentist because you've got cavities in your teeth or whatever. Changes happen. Or we're experiencing some sort of ache or pain or some sort of illness, and it creeps up and changes, and you end up having to deal with it. But there's this continuity that tends to obscure it. We don't take clear notice of it. We don't really pay attention. We don't hone in on it and see, ah, this is really impermanent. This is anicca. The Buddha used the word anicca to describe this truth of change. In English, we can use the word impermanence or inconstancy or uncertainty. Those are all words that describe the reality of anicca. In the same way that we look at other people and the world around us and reflect on the nature of change, we should be paying attention to ourselves, turning that attention inwards and recognizing what is changing is not just other people, those people out there, it's us as well. We're in constant state of change or flux. We need to attend to this so we don't allow that feeling of continuity or that illusion of santati to obscure things. So bringing the investigation back to ourselves, turning it back on ourselves, and then seeing, is this as the Buddha taught or not? We have to verify that for ourselves if what the Buddha taught is actually true. We hear that the Buddha, excuse me, we hear that the body is impermanent and it seems like a fairly direct and easy statement, but the Buddha used it as a basis for teaching and pointing to very basic truths. Like in the Anattalakana Sutta, he asked the five aesthetics, is this body permanent or impermanent? And of course, they have to answer, well, it's impermanent. He says, well, if the body is impermanent, then is it pleasant happiness or is it suffering? Well, yes, it's suffering. It's unsatisfactory. 
It seems straightforward, but we really have to notice that whatever is impermanent tends to be unsatisfactory because it always changes and becomes otherwise. This is the nature of suffering or unsatisfactoriness. This word suffering is not just about feeling miserable, but more describing the way that something is not capable of completely and fully satisfying us. We want to alleviate disease, and there's a tremendous amount of knowledge available about the nature of the body and the illnesses it can have. We've searched for medicines from ancient times when we'd rely on different plants and natural elements to now where they're researching in a very refined way, finding the uses of different types of chemicals and whatnot, extraordinarily extensive. Bring that up on a perspective of investigation. Take on the perspective that, oh yes, the body is impermanent, the body is suffering, and if you don't believe the person who's teaching this, then you can go take a look mm -hmm. at hospitals. They are places where there is much illness. America's got to be full of hospitals. That's the nature of having a physical body. We're going to have to experience illness or dis-ease at one point or another. Actually, just having a body is uncomfortable. We experience the discomfort of just having a body. When it's hot, then it's uncomfortable. We sit there sweating and feeling uncomfortable. We think about getting a fan, getting air conditioned, <laughs> finding water to bathe in just to cool down so that we can escape the discomfort of heat. Of course, it isn't hot all the time. Sometimes it's cold. <laughs> and then it's suffering again. If you live in a place where there's snow and ice as part of the seasons, then those places have to have stoves and furnaces, and you have to find firewood, oil, or coal to be able to heat up the buildings that people live in. We have to find proper clothes, sweaters, and jackets, and there are many industries that create clothing to stave off the cold. Even right now, as we're sitting here, at Abahagiri Buddhist Monastery, and it's cold, giving a talk at the outside meditation platform in 55-degree weather, it's not really comfortable. <laughs> this is the way of nature. When we have a body, we experience these different aspects of discomfort. In some countries where it's cold, then they raise sheep for wool, and they take the wool and make sweaters and different articles of clothing to keep warm. But think of those poor sheep. They are pretty cold already, so they have this wool, and then humans go and cut the wool off. And there, and there's these poor freezing sheep around. That's, that's what I told you. Beautiful. Yeah, it is. We go and it's true. take it away from them, and that's not very fair. Yeah, it's true. Furthermore, we get thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> Those poor sheep. Oh my gosh. 
Furthermore, we get thirsty and have to find water in different ways, either from streams, lakes, or wells, and we have to filter, strain, and soften it. And there's all sorts of factories and industries to do this. If we don't have water, we can't live for very long at all. We also get hungry. There is, this is a really big problem. Having a body that gets hungry and needs to be fed. All of the different crops and the difficulty of planting and raising all the food that we need to eat, in, that we need in order to eat. And people have to go to university to study agriculture just to deal with the human need to appease hunger. Everybody has to find money just to go out and buy food. We have to have an occupation. Whether we're laborers or casual workers, or we have a profession, we're engineers, whatever occupation we have, it's basically to find the money to be able to eat. <laughs> we need to feed ourselves all the time. So we're trying to find a sense of comfort, of ease within the physical experience of having a body. All of our efforts at making a living and saving money and paying it out, it's trying to find a sense of comfort and ease. There's a certain effort that's always being put into working to try to find that easeful quality. Everybody experiences that. We get tired from our work. Take taxi drivers. Sometimes they have to put in extraordinarily long hours, and it's tiring, exhausting. Being an airline pilot, whatever the job, it's tiring. We get exhausted trying to find the means to experience comfort and ease within this body. So it's a rhetorical question. Is this suffering or not? We're recognizing that all of the things we purchase, all of the commercial elements of an economy are there for trying to find some comfort. It isn't just physical. You get all these things when having to look after the body, water and food and whatnot, but then you've got to build toilets too. <laughs> And they're just for relieving suffering. <laughs> Whether yeah. it's... <laughs> That's right. It's true. Does anyone never need think to relieve it. suffering at this moment in time? <laughs> That's what we find ourselves in. Whether it's in a home or a monastery, You've got to provide for these things. You have to take them into account. Isn't it really a problem for everybody? This is suffering, but it tends to be obscured in the same way that continuity obscures impermanence. The four postures obscure suffering. We're changing our postures, moving to alleviate suffering, and as a result... We don't notice it. If we're walking along and it gets to be a bit difficult, 
then there is suffering just in walking. So we try to find something more comfortable. But if you're walking at Abhayagiri Monastery, then if you try to go anywhere, that's going to be suffering because of the steep terrain. So we have the suffering of walking, and then we sit down thinking that's going to make it more comfortable. And it's okay for a while, but after sitting a time, that starts to get uncomfortable as well. And then we decide, maybe I'll lay down and have a rest, and that will be pleasant. Then it's okay for a while, but that's suffering too. It doesn't take long. You're lying and resting, and then your back starts to hurt. Some people, even if they're lying down, they're restless, and they toss and turn. And some people even toss and turn, and they fall out of bed. And that's suffering. (laughs) It's important to reflect for oneself. Is it like this or not? We need to bring it inward, as it's said in the characteristics of the Dhamma. Opana yiko is turning the qualities of the Dhamma inward, seeing within our own experience that being born is like this, having a body is like this. So in order to be practitioners, to be people who are meditators, who need to be able to turn our attention inward, reflect and investigate so that we can see this clearly. Aging is another aspect of the body that we need to be contemplating. We recognize that as the body ages, things get more difficult. (laughs) Being an old person, 60, 70, 80 years old, even 90 years old, this is difficult. Having to get up and carry the heavy body around starts to be difficult. Walking is difficult. Notice your knot is limber and it's difficult getting around. Sometimes one is not so steady on one's feet and then one has to start using a cane or there are aches and pains in the legs and then you need to have some support, a walker. You start off with two legs and you increase to three legs, (laughs) then to four legs in order to be able to get around. And then, after some time, as we continue to age, oops, and then after some time, as we continue to get older, we'll need to have people helping us. With people who are older, they'll sometimes have their grandchildren help them just to be able to get up the stairs, to help them to get around and do things. And that's just the nature of the body. But even after a while, as we continue to age, it might not be so easy to get around anymore. We're not so able to be mobile, and we're left with merely sitting and lying down. You get up, and it's oi. You sit down, and it's oi. (coughs) It isn't as if it's just affecting the body. The mind and the moods get affected as well. 
we experience this as a painful mental sensation, a mood of mental discomfort. Take the time to investigate and recognize that it's just this way. This is just the nature of things. It isn't any way else, whether we like it or don't like it, whether we approve or disapprove. It's just this way. That gives a sense of equanimity and strength. This is why it's so necessary to turn attention to reflection and investigation and recognize that it isn't just aging with no end in sight. We also have to experience death, and death is suffering. Similarly, it's helpful to prepare oneself or be able to reflect on a continuous basis because death can turn into something external and way off into the future. And it's not just the body that dies, but throughout life, our moods, our thoughts, our thinking is constantly being born and dying. Moods are constantly being born and dying. Thoughts, whatever they are, whether coarse or refined, they're being born and they're dying. This is a cycle that is pointing to nature, pointing to just how things are, and to recognize, ah, it's just like this. This is the way it is. The Buddha said the body is anatta. Why would he bother to point this out? In the Anatta Lakana Sutta, the Buddha asks, whatever is subject to impermanence, subject to change, can this be self? And then the five aesthetics, of course, have to answer, no, that's not appropriate to hold as self, as me. If it were truly ours and belonged to us, then it would listen to us, and that's not the case. We can't really order it to follow our commands. When we're young and we like to play, we really want to stay like that. But then change happens. We get older, and we're separated from the quality of youngness. And we're maybe adolescent, and we're growing up and feeling, this is a really good time of life. I really want to be like this. But then it changes again. We can't force ourselves to stay within that condition. Or perhaps we're older, 40-ish and we feel the peak of maturity and power and strength of well-being, and we want it always to be like this, but we can't make it stay that way. We don't want the body to age, but it goes ahead and does it anyway. We don't want the body to be sick, but it goes ahead and does it anyway. And again, this isn't just something that happens here. Wherever there's a human being, it's going to be like this. Anyone who wishes to control the body and make it be according to their wishes is going to find that it's impossible. Even doctors, they get sick and their body changes. In the end, it's really that we don't want to die. That mystery and fear of death is very primal. Parents always want to be with their children. They don't want to be separated from their children. They don't want them to die. They don't want to be with their children all the time. Husband and wife want to be together. They don't want to be separated. 
but inevitably somebody has to go before the other. I'm going to back up. I read something incorrectly. Parents always want to be with their children. They don't want to be separated from their children. They don't want them to die. They want to be with their children all the time. Husband and wife want to be together. They don't want to be separated. But inevitably, somebody has to go before the other. And that's the nature of reality. We're all the same in this universal condition, which the Buddha described as being anatta. This is all, not self. At no point is the body something we can say, this is who I truly am, this is me, and it's going to be like this always. The teaching of the Buddha points to universal truths for all beings, even animals. They're all subject to aging, sickness, and death. All are subject to impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, not self. When we reflect on these universal characteristics, it, it'll finally dawn on us. Oh, it's just like this. It has to be this way. And when we gain that insight, oh, this is the true nature of things, we recognize that we need to look after ourselves, not just trying to make the body comfortable, but looking after ourselves with understanding and wisdom. The most efficacious way of looking after ourselves is seeing that, ah, this is not self, this is anatta. Whether it's our perception of our body in the past or future, near or far, coarse or refined, that too has to be anatta. Wisdom is just seeing that this is natural and ordinary. When we see clearly, quite naturally we begin to let go, to relinquish. We will be able to step back from the passion and desire of wanting to be according to our preferences, Seeing this is the way it is and just letting go is freedom. When we let go, we're not letting go in a way that there's nothing to do. But when we let go, that's when we can truly focus on using our bodies, using our life for that which is good. We can pay attention more completely to that which is wholesome. What is it that leads to peace? We've got the clarity and the space to really turn attention to the development of that which is truly good. It's like having a house. You need to keep it clean and in good repair. You need to paint it and fix up so that it's pleasant to live in. In the same way, attending to the wholesome will help us not to get distracted or deflected by misunderstanding the true nature of things. We really need to see the nature of the body clearly to be able to look after it properly. We should use the body skillfully for seeking wisdom and freedom from suffering. The end. So I think we can go to sleep with this and cycle it one another time another time whilst you sleep or show your dreams and let it uh, 
sink in more <coughs> and free us from all these um, what all goes around it on our doing or not doing and our dukkha and uh, that's the process of liberation understanding what is really happening mm-hmm. not on the intellectual cognitive laser level deep down where you can come get into the uh, real process that was it can only then actually taking place through, through meditation. Contemplating here, understanding, realizing, taking your karma of it, uh, is penetrating it on the level of uh, experience. On one level, we all know that. It was nothing strange what you heard, but it had a different perception. It had a different meaning, too. It was also giving uh, good points to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Do you like it? Yeah. So it's nine o'clock. I think we can. Uh, is it is on our program nine o'clock closing? Mm-hmm. I never really got it. Um, I would suggest you stand up for a moment. And uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was also humorous, wasn't it? Yes. That made it light. Yeah. You recollect yourself to some? When did you feel you had to laugh? Uh, Jane, at what point? It just strikes me so funny. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, but it is what we're doing. You know, because of this, and because of your reading it often to us in Dhammadena, I was able to bear the death of my husband oh, so yeah. much better. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Because I saw the truth all the way. Yeah, yeah. The, the mind come to, comes to quiet. As I think somebody, like, uh, said, uh, not the effort... Uh, gives liberates us, but the truth and the way we we know it is that it is so, but we don't really allow it to 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 touch us. Hmm? Very superficial. This was very deep and beautiful. Anybody else wants to say 
Chamsi? Well, it was nice how it um, kind of went through from, as you call it, the, the baby's uh, little package of dukkha. Yeah. <laughs> but to know that, you know, they, they really carried it through, through... Um, uh, all the way. Teenager, you know, yeah. Adolescence and yeah. all the way through and how really we're never satisfied. No. It's like it's, there's always going to be unsatisfactory. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it's how do you deal with that. Mm-hmm. But it's in looking to it more deeply and realizing that that is, it, that is so, you also learn how you relate to it hmm? and establish a little bit of more harmony in your life. These are these things <coughs> which uh, are very upsetting. So these small things. Dukkha. Anybody else saying something? Uh, how does it feel right now? You know, you cannot really capture it, perhaps, and and uh, express it. Or, but there is a sen- there are, uh, there is an impact upon you. You you have understood something deeper. Never like this did you look at your life. So go back to what we all heard. How many complaints were there? It was constantly into that direction. Yes? I loved the description of all the effort that goes into feeding the body. That's, and that oh, we yeah. Have to do it all the time, mm-hmm. and that yeah. the jobs are all really about yeah. feeding the body. Yeah, yeah. I, that was very. Yeah, yeah. And he was not so very elaborate. Did he talk about the people in the fields? Uh, Yeah, he did, actually, yeah. So that is uh, really understanding, you see. Not skipping, just really looking, not running away. And finding another place where that dukkha can uh, kind of disappear. It comes always back. It can only disappear when I really penetrated it and understood it. That brings quiet. It was really a beautiful thing, wasn't it? Comforting. Comforting. Did you say that? Yeah. That is the nature of um, bare bone understanding, so to speak, huh? comforting. It's really happening, it's reality. Coming to understand, to see things as they are. That is here in my notes about um, um, insight meditation, introdu- in- introductory notes. Just a few notes, certain pages. It was read so beautifully. Pardon? It was read so beautifully. It was. 
Oh. We just touched one's heart. But we talked about dukkha, huh? She said it was so beautiful, see? How we can change our life. This was right view. Who understands life like that? Now, become more aware. When, wherever you go and find people talking about with each other, and listen into it. I do that often in the spa when we go. It's all about me, 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 me. And I don't like, I don't want. Wonderful. Brings quiet in. That is liberation. Can you imagine? Only right understanding. And that is wisdom. That is an understand, a view that has wisdom. Seeing as things are. Easy, huh? We did hear quite often already, Jane, didn't you? It was still fresh, wasn't it? Always. Pardon? Yeah, yeah. The truth can, has that quality. It brings joy. Quiet, harmony. You stand with your, with your body on the earth. It's real. It's experience. It is not on the level of of um, concept, <laughs> we dropped totally from the uh, level of concept into the level of understanding, right view. This was vipassana panya. Clear understanding arising out of your uh, insight. Seeing things in the way they are. <coughs> wonderful. You were reading wonderful. You could all very wonderful understand. And uh, I think uh, we can go to sleep now. Hmm? Um, I will give you a Well, it happened anyway. <laughs> um, let us tune into a blessing. Our, our Duke, our uh, meta, what we have lately. Me see. Um, may I. Free from. May I abide? May I abide yeah. Mm-hmm. In. May I abide? Speak it first. Jane, give the text. May I abide in well being? Yeah. Everyone, may I abide in well being? Feel it, sense it. 
Aha, affliction, misunderstanding. In freedom from hostility, you know what that one is. Further. Ill will. No, the next one is what? Yes, from anxiety. In freedom from affliction, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill will, and in freedom from anxiety. It's pretty good. That can be in the same way experienced and looked at. Deep looking, seeing, and not getting involved in it. Being the observer, seeing how the things really are, as they are. So now we bring that and wish that to everybody. May everybody abide in well-being. May everybody abide in in freedom from um, hostility. May everybody abide in freedom from ill will. Last one. Abide in anxiety. Be free from anxiety. Um, give it the 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 the, the um, melody or the chant. And may I maintain. Oh yeah, may I maintain well-being in myself. Me all, isn't it for all now? May or everybody abide in in well-being. There is something, an aspect of karma in it. Can you remember, Jane? Um, no. No. May everybody abide in well-being. May he not um, um, lo- lose the good, good fortune, isn't it? That good fortune they have attained. Yeah. Well, I, I, I will look for it tomorrow. Ruth, isn't there something about Pardon? happiness and the causes of happiness? <coughs> something so like that. The karma comes in. Hmm? Amazing in this way, maintain well being and maybe not lose their good fortune. There's something also there. All beings are uh, owners of their actions, and I think all beings are owners of their actions. Yeah. Whatever I have done for good or ill, to that I am heir to. Whatever I have done for good or ill, to that am I heir to. That that is a little different. Yeah, that is. But can I include this anyway? (laughs) 
speaking the first part, me may I be free abide in I said speak it silently Hmm? integrated in that uh, subtle energy from the gross to the subtle is our practice Mm-hmm. All right, and now we tune in. May I abide in well-being, in freedom from affliction, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill will. In freedom from anxiety, and may I maintain well-being in myself. May all beings be abide in well-being. In freedom from affliction, in freedom from hostility, in freedom from ill will, in freedom from anxiety, and may all beings be well-being in themselves. Sleep well.